Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. I mean, isn't that really practical, right? Love. It's like, good luck with that. <laughs> but, but John, as he kind of develops uh, the scripture here, John begins to show us in this last chapter. So if you, I'm in John chapter, First uh, John chapter 5. I'm going to read this passage of scripture. It's kind of lengthy, so, so let's, just, let's just breathe through this. It's a Sunday. We should be reading scripture, so let's read this together, okay? You don't have to like repeat after me, but let's read this together. It says this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 21. This is the one who came, Jesus, by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And those three are in agreement. So we accept human testimony. That's important. Like, how is your testimony? How is your witness? Of course we do that. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about in his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God has given about his son. And this is the testimony, by the way. Whoever does not, I'm sorry, whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. I just read that. Because they have not believed the us, us, eternal life, And this life is in his son. Verse 12, whoever has the son has life. Do you have the son of God in you and with you and around you? Do you participate in the way, the truth, and the life? If you do, John is saying, you have life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And then he concludes with this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son so that you may know that you have eternal life. Again, This reassurance, right? This is the confidence we have in approaching God that we ask anything according to his will and he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. By the way, even if that answer is no. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death Because there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that and all wrongdoing is sin. And there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue, continue. It's habitual. It's it's persistent. We know anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. I think we can all agree to that, right? There's some gnarly, massive, crazy evil in our world. And we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know who is true. And we are in him who is true. By being in his Son, he is the true God in eternal life, and then he kind of like lovingly slaps us in the face at the very end and says, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. What on earth is John saying here? (laughs) 
I don't have the amount of time I wish I did. This would be like a three-part, four, five, six-part collection of talks. So bear with me. If you have questions, I would write them down, and I may not have the answers, but we can talk through them over coffee and connect, and we can work through this together. together. But I want to I hit on this one theme that I'm noticing in John's passage this morning, and it's this idea of the testimony of God. You see, all of us have a testimony, by the way. We talk about this on a regular basis. In fact, it's something that is on the forefront of my mind on a regular basis that God, as I mature in him, I have a responsibility, not only in my family, right, not only in the world, but I have a responsibility with how I appropriately reflect the image of God around me. And so then with that reflection should come the reflection of God, right? And that's where character comes. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes. That's where abiding in Him and knowing how to live and how to act and how to believe and how to participate in this world comes. And so then there's a witness, right? There's a particular way that someone can look at you, and we got to be careful how we look at others. I tell Kelly this all the time, by the way. I'm like on the verge of just completely getting rid of my Instagram. Like seriously, because what's not good is I fall into the trap of the evil one and I begin to judge based off what you're posting. And I'm like, gosh, Kelly, look at this. Oh my gosh, can you believe that? And then I stand back and I'm like, I should bear the image of God. I'm now gossiping about others to my wife. Right? I'm now judging others based off what people were saying or thinking or processing. And then I begin to think that that is who you are by how you post. And I'm like, man, this, this might be good for them, but it's not good for me. You see, because I want, I want the image of God in and through every fiber of my being. I don't want to judge you because God says not to do that. I don't want to cast my own presupposition on you because God says not to do that. I want to be a loving person led by the Spirit so that I can love you well. And I'm like, man, okay, I got a lot of work to do. Whoa. Here I go, judging, analyzing, and then I go through like a rabbit hole, you know, where the tags are, and you click on the tag, and you're like, oh my gosh, and you click on another tag, and you're like, wait a second, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> I want to give you a, the definition of witness in light of the Greek and the scriptures that John talks about. The definition is to be a witness, to bear witness when he talks about testimony, to be a witness, to bear witness. To affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. What have you seen, heard, experienced when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God? Or that he or she knows it's because it's taught by divine revelation or inspiration. So then there's three examples, which is to give or not to keep back testimony. That's a witness, to give, to not withhold, but to give your testimony. It's to utter honorable testimony, to give a good rapport, or it's to implore. So when you're looking at the testimony of God, think of those things. Think of the witness of God. Think of your witness of God. But John shows us that our man's witness, yes, it's good to look at, but what about God's witness? What about God's testimony? It says this in verse 6, this is the one who came by water and blood, 
He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And they're all in agreement. This is a heavy, heavy theological point that I do not have time to go through. So I'm sorry. I I apologize. But I do want to hit on one thing that theologians, for the most part, would agree on what he's trying to say here. The first, you could think that it's like, how, how, how did the Son of God come here on earth? And it's, well, he came when, you, when you're giving birth. It's through water and blood, right? So we can agree to that or we could oppose that. There's many others that theologians would argue, but the one that I find resonates with me is when you look at water, it's with baptism, right? When Jesus started his ministry, he started it by water baptism, which should encourage us that we should be baptized when we start our ministry. When we begin to be a minister of the gospel, you are now sent. And your sending represents this water. You're dying to your old. And sometimes we got to hold you down for a while and then <laughs> pull you up, right? And you're, you're being resurrected, not on your own merit, but on the merit of Jesus himself who died and was resurrected. So that you can be on mission. And so when Jesus is baptized, it's the start. It's the moment of his ministry. And watch this. The one who sends him is the spirit. The one who acknowledges him is the father. A powerful passage that I often have to go back to in my own mind. Jesus did nothing. Healed no one. Casted no demon out. Spoke nothing in regards to a deep sense of truth for those that could listen and follow him. Yet... The father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, which tells me I don't have to do stuff to, be, to please my father. I'm just his son, and he's well pleased in me. And so then the father acknowledges him, and the spirit pushes him. That's the start of his ministry. That's the water. And then we look at the blood. Where is the blood? It's at the end of his ministry, or at least here on earth, Right? He dies, and there's this gruesome death, and there's blood that's spilled and that's shed, and that blood resembles something, right? And guess what? On the cross, the father acknowledges his son. And what was, who pushed him and encouraged him and empowered him to bear that? The spirit. So water and blood testify to this truth. And it's the witness of these three things. And what is that witness? It's God's testimony. The spirit, the water, and the blood all testify to Christ. They all acknowledge Christ. They all bear witness in like a court hearing to Christ. So we accept man's testimony when it consists of the evidence of two or three. That was the the law, by the way. If there was something that happened, if there was an issue that arose in the community, the only way you could go to court is if two or three had testified against or for that person. So you see what John's doing here? He names three, but the one that testifies the most is the Spirit, right? It says this in John 8, verses 17 to 18. It says, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am, this is Jesus, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. How much more then should we accept the testimony of God, which is itself threefold, and because it is God's, um, it, it is his witness, it's greater than any man's. 
So John then proceeds to unfold the testimony results. You guys good? I know we got to teach this. You got we have to understand this. I know sometimes this is like, oh yeah, it's not hitting my emotional construct, but we need, we need to get you where your mind and, and your heart and your soul connect so that we can understand the word, right? Again, spirit and truth, we need to know the truth of God's word. So then it says this, the purpose of testimony to Christ is to evoke faith in Christ. I want to say that again. The purpose of the testimony of God is to evoke in you faith. It says this in John 1, 6 8. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. Jesus was. And he came, though, only as a witness to the light. So when I received this testimony of Jesus from the Spirit then naturally what this does is it leads to believing in the one whom the testimony is born. So when, when you and I sit and talk and you don't know Jesus, or, or maybe you've been coming to church, or maybe you, you, this is the first time you've ever stepped into church, and you're kind of seeing the music and the worship, and Sammy's saying to surrender to God, you know, and you're processing all these things, well, what we're doing is we're testifying on behalf of God. The only one who can testify back is the Spirit of God in you. And what that begins to do is it invokes this faith. Wait a second. Oh, man, there's like this void in your soul that God begins to move into when you open up your heart and you open up your soul. And it's the Spirit of God that begins to refine and speak and show you, hey, there's something here. There's something here. So when I receive this testimony of Jesus from the Spirit, this leads to something. So to accept the testimony of God in verse 9 and to believe in the Son of God, verse 10, they are virtually synonymous expressions to accept the testimony and then to believe. So when we begin to see the unbeliever or the curious or one that's processing, one that wants to know more about God, maybe one that's had a bad upbringing and has wants literally, I'm just, I don't want anything about God, or maybe you're curious. When we begin to see the unbeliever or the curious and the believer, which is the follower of Jesus, the believer has this testimony in his or her heart. When you follow God, when you follow Jesus, when you begin to live a life according to his will, you begin to not even knowing, you might not know this, you are testifying on behalf of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for Jesus. You are bearing witness everywhere you go. You are testifying to the light of the world. You are testifying to the salt, that, that saltiness, that, 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 that flavor. You begin to testify by how you live and how you walk and how you breathe, how you talk to one another. And what it does is it begins to spark and invoke an interest in those that are non-believers or else that's how it should be. So testimony is both the cause and the consequence of belief. You hear what I'm saying? Witness is both the cause and the consequence of belief. And belief, when I believe in God, when I listen to God and believe, is a stepping stone between God's first and further testimony. What do I mean by that is, 
When you begin to believe in God, you begin to understand the practicalities of who he is, right? And then we sort of go like, if I could use this language, glory to glory, right? We begin to mature. That's why personally, maybe you don't have this conviction, but I surely do. Like Instagram's bugging me right now because the spirit of God is testifying to me. This is not good. There's an addiction here. And I, I, want, to, I want to have the character of God in every aspect of my life. I've, oh, I've made room for him to do that. So it, belief is a stepping stone, it, meaning he shows you more and more. There's more that he gives. There's more that he shows. There's more revelation that he'll impart to you. And you can't expect that necessarily when you first begin to believe him. When you first begin to acknowledge him, that is why we have to be careful that it's not just all spirit and no truth. Because then we begin to believe things that are false. That's where the evil one comes in and begins to distort and, and cause issue and, and, and make menace and, and create chaos because we don't know the truth. So we mature when that happens. So John turns his attention then, not so much on the unbeliever, but to us, the believer. The believer who receives this blessing because of their response to this powerful testimony is Jesus is not only divine and not only human, that's important, but he is the life giver. That's what John's trying to say here. <laughs> He's the savior of the world. Not only that he is the son of God, but that in him life is, and in him we have eternal life. Now, I, I just want you to think about that for just a brief moment. Like, if you really believe that, wouldn't that change the way we do life? If you believe that God himself, in human form, he slowed down the fabric of, of history, of time, beyond time, he slows down to send his son, to send Jesus in human history, in an appointed time, with an appointed location, in the Roman Empire rule, into Bethlehem and Jerusalem and where he was at, within the Roman road, right, with everything that was established so that word could be spread quick. Jesus was very specific by the time and place that he came. And so he comes, right, he's born, and he begins to testify on behalf of his father. Have you noticed that everywhere he goes, he would always say that? I only do things the Father tells me to do. That's it. So it's like, he doesn't cast every demon out, by the way. Why not? Well, he says, I only listen to the Father. He doesn't heal everybody. That's frustrating. Why not, Jesus? I only listen to what the Father tells me to do. And so he's constantly bearing witness to his Father. But Jesus comes, human, divine, but what he does, what he shows us, is he shows us a new way of living. He says, I am the life and the life eternal. And I want to break down what those two things mean as we sort of come to a close within 1 John. Here is that powerfully strong eternal statement that actually literally gets people killed. You want to know what that statement is? Maybe not here in America, but it's that eternal life is in God's Son, and may only be found in Jesus. That will get you killed in different parts of the world. That's a strong, bold statement to say, I'm sorry, there is no other religion that leads to heaven 
It's only through Jesus. And you have to work that out with fear and trembling. And you have to ask God that he would show you his revelation. And we can show you the scriptures and we can impart to you every truth that we believe. But it can only come through the revelation of God to you. It's impossible to truly have a life without Christ. I've noticed that. I, I have a guy who cuts my hair, really cool guy. And um, we talk all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I feel bad for Kelly if she has to pick me up or drop me off. It's like we have like a car thing and maybe she drops me off. And I'm like, Kel, I really don't know when I'm going to be done with this haircut. <laughs> so like I, I, I really spread out the space. And I'm, I'm actually really intentional with that. Why? Because I'm bearing witness. And my, my barber like really is curious about Jesus. And so he's cutting my hair. And then, you know, like, because I cut hair on the side, I'm not saying I want to cut everybody's hair, that, that'll be a mess. You know, when you start talking, you like start cutting, you stop cutting. And then you're like talking, yeah, you know, yeah, and then you start, and then you go back at it, and you just get a chip away, and you keep talking. And like, sometimes it's like two and a half hours. I know. And, but he's asking me some crazy theological questions. He's like, wait, like, how, you're telling me that Jesus is the only one to heaven. He's the only way? Yeah. And then he said this, just this the other day. I feel like it's a good haircut. He said, he was like, you know, man, I've noticed that we can have hell here on earth. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe in heaven and hell? I was like, absolutely. He's like, yeah, but do you think we can have hell here? 100%. I see it. Just look at the world, man. We were so lucky to be born in America. Because there's other parts of the world, literal hell. The moment you're born, brokenness and chaos and devastation. And the older I get, the more I realize life is a lot of suffering. We talk about this, right? Life is hard, man. Life is difficult. Life comes with its obstacles. So I don't know about you. And this is what I told him. I was like, I, I need to have the one who's given me life. I need to participate in him. And that is Jesus. He's the only way, man. Because we can have hell on earth, but there also is another hell in another dimension, in another space, and there's all theological argument for that, but I believe that hell is complete separation from Jesus. That is why I could argue you could still have hell here. You could say, I don't want anything to do with you, God. That's actually one of the only sins that God won't forgive is blasphemy blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, meaning I don't, I don't believe you, Holy Spirit. I don't believe you've testified. I actually hate you. I can't stand you. I'm going to live my own life. And you begin to participate in hell here on earth. There's no hope. There's no reason to wake up in the morning. There's, no, there's nothing pushing you for more. There's nothing pushing you to be a better, healthier man in your, in your family, with your wife, with your children. What is it? Just like this grasping for air, for morality? And for me, it's like, man, Jesus has come to give me life and life to the full. I want to know what that life is about. And I have discovered in my young, almost 30 years of life that it's only found in Jesus. And I don't have to live certain ways to see that it's not because I can just see it from a distance. And I only then want true life, and that life can only come from God through the Spirit to Jesus who testifies that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Does that make sense? Like, oh, man, that's heavy. Yeah, it's really heavy. 
That's why we have to get, we have to really let this sink deep into our soul and not just settle there, but transform us from the inside out because why? He is the life giver. He gives you life. He is the very breath within your lungs. If you have to conceptualize it in that manner, every time you breathe, you're breathing in his life for you. So 1 John 1, 2 says, the life appeared. The life appeared. And we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And that's Jesus. Again, John shows us three truths about eternal life. Here in this passage, one, it's not a prize that we have earned or could earn eternal life. Okay? You can't earn it. I'm sorry. It's not a salvation that you have to earn, but it is a salvation that works itself. There's a difference. And it's not found, it, I'm sorry, it is found in Christ. So to have life, we must have Christ. My three, the three points on eternal life. It's not a prize, and it's only through Christ. And then the last is this gift of life in Christ is also present possession. It's also here and now. True, eternal life is described as eternal, meaning belonging to the age or the age to come. Okay? It's eternal. It's out there. I, I don't know about, I was raised sometimes, and I was like terrified. I said this last week, I think. I was terrified, and I wanted to like run up to the front and like ask God to like come into my life. Like every week I wanted to do that because the pastor would say like, hey, you're going to go to hell if you don't have Jesus. And like that's true, right? But that's like, that can scare you into it, and then you have a false image of who God is. But it's, it's still true though, be honest, right? And so, we, we, we have to have this reverence towards God that yes, 100, so then, because the sermons like every week talked about heaven and hell and dying and living and what you're going to do in heaven, my little 12-year-old brain was so consumed by heaven all the time. And what that did as I grew, like I literally would tell people in high school, if you went to high school with me and I did this, I'm sorry. I literally would say, hey man, if you're going to go to that party and do all that stuff, you're going to hell. And then I myself am like all messed up, right? <laughs> I, I, literally, because my mind was so consumed on heaven and hell. Yes, 100%. But if your mind is only consumed on the age to come, what about the age here? Because there is a lot of people we could be missing. There is a lot of moments with our family we could be missing. There is the beauty and the wonder and the joy of life here on earth that we could be missing if we're just consumed with dying so we could be in heaven. Please don't get me wrong. I would argue anybody who dies and cel we celebrate your life, it's, it's way better there than it is here, 100%. However, if you're alive and you're breathing, you have work to do, my friend. You have a responsibility like men, we need to wake up. We need to be good fathers, healthy fathers, led by the Spirit, led by the responsibility of God. We need to be good mothers and teach our children the way of the Lord, like in Deuteronomy. Everywhere I go, whatever I do, I'm breathing, I'm living, I'm acting, and showing you the way of God. Because there is a possibility you can experience hell here on earth. 
But in the same breath, if you follow Jesus, you can experience life here on earth. That's why we name Zoe, Zoe, because that means life and life more abundant. That can only come from God. But since the age to come has broken into the present age, the life of the age to come, eternal life, can be received and enjoyed here. So as we, as we close, as we finish, as we finish this book, right, this book has been good. You, have you liked this book? Maybe it's just me. You don't have to assure me, but it's been good for me. <laughs> the Gospels, listen to this, this is powerful. The Gospels were written to non-believers for the most part right, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, specifically Luke is for the Gentiles, Matthew, Mark, right, and John, like trying to show the divinity, the power, the life of God, to show people that did not believe in Jesus, this is for you, the non-believer, so that they would read the testimony of God to his son, believe in him whom the testimony pointed, and thus receive life through faith. This letter, 1 John, was written to believers, to those who believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. So if we close this collection of talks and you don't know that, then I haven't properly done my job. You need to know you have eternal life with Christ. It's belief and it's action and it's being and it's doing and it's shifting and it's changing and it's repenting and it's not habitually falling into sin every day and it being no big deal. No, it's radical change. It's radical discipleship. I want everyone to know who I am in Christ. And so I have to live and walk and be and I might have to shift those who I spend my time with and I might have to t stop talking the way others talk and I might have to get off social media but whatever I do, it has to be radical so that I can be a proper witness to God and again, since the false teachers were telling them otherwise about their salvation so here's our call, friend. Here it is, that we may hear, hear the word of God. Hear, hear, just listen to it. Just take it in, just hear it. And by hearing, we may believe. It shifts us. Man, I heard that, and it's resonating with my soul. I don't know what that is. But man, like there's something about that that's like so deeply intertwined with who I am. And so then you begin to believe. And by believing, then you may live. And, and watch this. By living, then you may know. Did you, did you know that when you begin to live for Jesus, truly live for him, you start really learning about who he is in a powerful way, man. The more I really live for him, I actually begin to really learn from him. And so that's why we can be following Jesus and playing church for our entire lives and not even know him. Because we're not living for him. So what does that look like in your family? Man, like husband, brother, what does that look like in your, in your family as you, as you follow Jesus? Does your family know the goodness of God through you? Have you bared testimony? I got work to do. Kelly can come up and testify to that but I just know I'm gonna follow God, I'm gonna live for God. 
I'm going to practice the truth. I'm going to practice his way. I'm going to be led by his spirit. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take heed. I'm going to seek out wise counsel, not counsel from the world, counsel from godly men. Those that follow God and listen to God and obey God. And I want to appropriately shift my life in Christ's likeness. So that you would have assurance, by the way, in eternal life. Not just the age to come, but here and now. Amen? Amen. Can you stand? Can, we, can I pray for you? I know I don't do this often because theologically sometimes it, it, it messes my mind. Oh, Thomas, you're the man, bro. Wow. Thank you, bro. Um, I don't do this often because I think it's really easy to like raise a hand and then just raise a hand, right? Um, I'm more concerned about not so much the external but, but what's inside here, okay? But I, I want to invite you into... You've, you've heard the word. You have to believe the word. That's between you and God. And you begin to discover who he is as you live him out. But I want to just give an invitation just right where you're at. If you have been, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, and, and by the way, maybe you have, but if you haven't changed your ways in alignment to his, then I want to invite you to consider where you're at with Jesus. So like my pastor would say when I was 12 years old, if, if a meteorite came today and hit Chino, like, would you have assurance where you're going? Because the scripture says to be absent from the, from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I believe as soon as we die, we're going to be present with God. And, and he's going to talk to you. Not you and wife and husband and mom or dad, you. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but it was external, maybe today it needs to be internal, where you say, as John the Baptist would say, repent and turn to God. I want to invite you into that right now. And by the way, I don't think anyone should close our eyes for this. It should be a public declaration, right? If we can't publicly declare Jesus as Lord here, it's going to be really difficult to do that in the world, in the society, in your workplaces. So if you want to publicly give your life to Jesus and, and, and say, it's, it's from the inside now, God. I, 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 want, I want to see you. It's not for me, by the way. It's for God. But I want to pray for you as your pastor. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Like, Jesus, I give you my life. I see your hand, thank you. Anybody else? I see your hand, thank you. Anybody else? Like Jesus, man, it's, it's, my life is yours. I've made room now for you. It's no longer uh, a facade. I, I don't want to play church anymore. If you're done playing church, because I'm personally done playing church, man. Honestly, sometimes I'm like, I don't even think we need this building. Seriously, it's like really expensive, man, as well. <laughs> But seriously, like, are you done playing church? Are you serious about this? 
Because I, I believe God's looking for an army like that says, I, I'm all in. I'm not laying anything. I'm not, I'm not pulling anything with me. I'm, I'm surrendering all of it. I'll ask you again last time, if you want to give your life to Jesus for real, internally, would you raise your hand so I could see? I see your hand. I see your hand. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray over every person, God, that has given their life to Jesus. Maybe they have in the past and it's just been external. But, Father, I pray that today it would be a true shift of heart. That they would, God, like Matthew the tax collector, when he chose to follow you, turn everything around. That they would radically shift their entire life towards you. And that they would learn the rhythms of grace through you. I pray, Father, that they would call a space their home, a community, not to just go to church, but to be the church. And that, Father, all of us would bear witness to this word that comes from you and that we would testify on your behalf. God, your testimony is much greater than mine. Forgive me if I've made my testimony about me and not you. It's all your, for your glory. And so right now, Father, I pray for those that are brokenhearted, for those that need a fresh wind, a fresh anointing, a fresh move of your spirit. God, I pray that that would rest on your people right here and right now. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah, come on, let's give it up.